The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Getting In, a college coach conversation hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. There are so many challenges involved in the college process, including choosing the right college, planning a payment strategy, creating a high school plan, and much more. The team of experts from College Coach are here to help you find some, if not all, of the answers you need. Now, here is your host, Elizabeth Heaton. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode of Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. It is October 8th here in New England, and for many people in this part of the world, that really means peak foliage season. And as I look out my window, it is not really peak this year. Um, I guess it's not going to be as good as it normally is because we had a really nice warm September, so I'm not going to complain. However, lots of people may be thinking about this as foliage season, but in my world, uh, this really means, October 8 really means peak college admission season for seniors everywhere. So for those of you who are seniors or who have seniors, I think you know what I mean. And for those of you who are looking ahead to this time, know that the fall will be packed with application stuff. And so with that in mind, today we are all about college applications. Uh, We have a great college finance segment today, all about the differences between the FAFSA and the CSS profile. And if you're not sure what either or both of those are, well, you want to stay tuned because we'll be filling you in. Uh, And for the remainder of the show, we're really going to be talking all about common app supplements. In our second segment, we're going to be digging into the supplements for Lehigh and Syracuse. But before we get to that, I'm really excited to welcome my colleague, Karen Lyons, formerly an admissions officer at Tufts University, to talk about the Tufts supplement. Welcome, Karen. Hi, thanks, Beth. Thanks so much for having me today. Absolutely. I'm super excited to have you here because while we work with students applying to all different types of schools, uh, it's always nice to talk to someone about the supplement of a school at which they worked. Uh, I know that prompts change, and so not all of these were around when you were at Tufts, but uh, a few of them were. And I, I always think it's just extra insightful when I have someone who actually sat in the selection committee room, talked about these, and um, has that perspective to add. So, yeah, definitely. We have a lot to cover, so I'm going to dig right in. Um, the first, there are two required, well, there are three required essays as part of the tough supplement. Two uh, questions every applicant must answer. And then the third, the students have a choice among six. So let's start with the first two that are required. And actually, let's start with the very first one, which is what aspects of Tufts curriculum or undergraduate experience prompt your application? In short, and I love that they added that, why Tufts? Because I feel like I say that to my kids all the time. Well, really what they're asking you here is why this school? Uh, And for those of you who are interested in a deeper dive into the Why This College essays, we actually have a really great segment on uh, a previous show that's available in the archives that you can download. Uh, But with such a short piece, which is it's 50 to 100 words, I always encourage my students to identify 
Um, The key element, ideally something academically at Tufts that really draws them and to try to use the space they have to be as specific as possible about their interest in that thing that Tufts offers. Um, So, but I'd be curious to get your take, Karen, on whether or not I'm pointing them in the right direction or if there's additional advice that you would offer. Oh, definitely. I think this is one of those questions where students really don't need to overthink it. They just Mm -hmm. kind of want to let their enthusiasm for Tufts shine. And so I think the important thing is first to be honest, but also be specific. So the things that you're talking about in terms of, you know, what are those intellectual things that get you excited um, are exactly what we're looking for. And thinking back to reading them, the ones that I kind of would say made my eyes roll or were painful to read (laughs) over and over again were the ones where, like, Tufts is a medium-sized school just outside of Boston. And I was like, yeah, you know, there's so many colleges outside of Boston. Like, we could be anywhere. If you could take up the word Tufts, and put in any other school into that section, and it still made sense, then you need to start over. And then the yeah. other one was, you know, for some reason, kids were just fascinated with the mascot of Jumbo. Yeah. And they talk about, I've always loved elephants. And I just really wanted to be like, really? Did you decide to pick a college because you loved elephants? Probably not. Like, go right. beyond that. Yep. And it's so funny that you say that because I literally had Dumbo in my head thinking I bet a lot of kids write about that because I see it and then I send it back and I say, nope, you're not going to write about that. You need to write about something different. Okay, good. So moving on from that one, um, the second required essay that every student's going to write is there is a Quaker saying, let your life speak. Describe the environment in which you were raised, your family, home, neighborhood, or community, and how it influenced the person you are today. And for this prompt, you get 200 to 250 words. Um, You shared something we were chatting right before the show started that I think is actually really important for our listeners to hear. So I guess start with what was the feeling about this particular question at Tufts? Yeah, so this question was probably, I think, the favorite for admissions officers to read because it was the one question that really kind of helped us get to know the student in a way that wasn't expressed anywhere else in the application. It was a chance for students to kind of tell us something that was maybe pretty familiar in their lives or, you know, the family traditions or sayings or the things that they did every weekend with their family or, like, when kids always say, like, I don't know, my life is so normal. Like, how am I supposed to write a great college essay? And I'm like, the normal, familiar things about your life are what make you you, you know? And mm-hmm. that's, I yep. think this question gives students that chance to just kind of say, you know, here's my life. Like, I remember one student wrote about how in her family, dinners weren't about the food that they shared, but rather, like, a chance to practice their debate skills. And they always had to come prepared to, you know, have a defending their point of view or have a really well-articulated argument. And that told us a lot about her family and, you know, what she likes to do. Mm-hmm. And so... I think that that question, I'm glad they, they was there when I was a reader, and it's still there. Um, and I think it's, you know, a really great chance to get to know students in a way that is just kind of a part of their everyday life and the way they grew up. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing that I encourage students to think about, we talked about this in previous episodes when we talked about the UC application, when we talked about the Michigan supplements, they say your family, home, neighborhood, or community. So 
the biggest mistake that I see students make with this prompt is trying to cover too much ground. Pick one thing, like that mm-hmm. di- dining table, right? That that conversation around the dining table. Um, you know, find the one thing that you can tell us a little bit more about. That's the key. If you try to tell us about everything, I guarantee it'll be as boring as Tufts is a medium-sized university outside of Boston, right? You're yeah. not going to be... <laughs> There's nothing we're going to learn there. So, okay. Um, so great advice. And good to know that this is probably the favorite. So um, you should put the same amount of attention into every one of these prompts. But uh, if you're gonna, if you're tight on time, I suppose, and you need to focus on one more than the others, maybe this is the one um, to really put your attention towards. Um, but we don't advise that. We advise putting your attention to them all. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> all right. So now with the next, uh, the third essay... This is where students have a choice, and choice can be exciting, and choice can be overwhelming, and choice can be scary. Uh, I think I've had all of those different reactions when students look at these options, and I always have to bring them back and say, we only have to write about one, so let's look at it with that in mind. So this is what Tufts says. Answer one of the following questions. Think outside the box, take a risk, and go somewhere unexpected. Be serious if the moment calls for it, but... Feel comfortable being playful if that suits you too. And this one is 200 to 250 words as well. So let's talk about each of these options, starting with option A. Liberarian, excuse me, liberarian, Liberian President Ellen Johnson Sirleaf, the first elected female head of state in Africa and winner of the 2011 Nobel Peace Prize, has lived a life of achievement. If your dreams do not scare you, they are not big enough, she once said. As you apply to college, what are your dreams? So what are the things that you ask students to think about if they're considering this prompt? I tell students that they should really kind of think like the sky's the limit on this one, like dream Mm -hmm. big, even if their aspirations are maybe a tad unattainable. (laughs) Um, I think that this question is giving them the freedom to say like, what do you really want to do? Like Mm -hmm. nothing was going to hold you back what would your, like, dream aspirations be? So, you know, do you want to curate your own museum exhibit or find a cure for Alzheimer's disease? Or maybe you haven't even dreamed that far and your next steps are just to think about, you know, what you're going to accomplish while in college and you want to, you know, talk about all the things that you're going to do during those four years. But, you know, don't feel like, but, you know, will I have the resources to do that? And first I'd have to go and get a graduate degree. Like, all that doesn't matter. You just really want to kind of dream as big as possible. Right. And I would absolutely agree with that. I, I, I do think you said some important things that I want to highlight, which is a lot of those things were grounded in – they don't need to be grounded in reality, but I'm thinking back to when I worked at Penn and we used to ask this question about submitting page 313 of your biography. And students would write about uh, – the one I saw most often was – a a student imagining themselves accepting the nomination for president or being sworn in as president. And it just always felt very flat because they didn't really ground it in anything other than, wouldn't that be cool? I could be president. And, you know, at the end of the day, even if you're imagining your future, it should still somehow tie to the person that you are and your interests that you have. And so this is something where I've actually steered some students away from this because they really couldn't, they couldn't ground it in anything that felt like they were the the committee would learn something about them. Um, yes. But if students have a specific focus in their studies, mm-hmm. 
I think that's exactly it. If you love chemistry and your goal is to ultimately um, work for a pharmaceutical company developing new drugs in the hopes of finding cures for disease, um, why not write about the goal to cure Alzheimer's because that's something that afflicted your grandmother and you would love to see a world that where that didn't exist. It's grounded in things you're interested in. And I think that's a key to answering that one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So option B. This is a great one. What makes you happy? That's my Very wide question. open. <laughs> I think what a, so what's what, a better way to get to know someone than understand what, you know, brings them joy and gets them giddy inside. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you love to read, tell them about how, how you collect old books and you can get lost for hours in an old, you know, used bookstore or something. Like, that tells you a lot about someone. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you're obsessed with crossword puzzles and you just can't wait to, you know pull out every arbitrary fact that you've ever acquired from watching Jeopardy. Like, those kind of things, you know, if you get excited when you talk about them, you're going to be excited when you write about them, and that's going to, your passion and enthusiasm is going to come through in that kind of essay response. Yeah, and I think the key, um, this is a great um, example of how all essays must not all be super serious. Um, I have kids who are afflicted with that, you know, and this is a great one to have fun with. Oh, so. definitely. And I think that's really what Tufts wants. They want the students to kind of try to relax a little bit more than they have to in their, you know, common app essay and stuff. Like, have fun. Be funny if you're funny. Like, this is definitely a chance to be a little silly and to have fun with the response. Exactly. And uh, the last thing I'll say about this one, because we have four more to go, is just I always ask my kids at the beginning of this process when we're thinking about supplements, who are you when you're around the people who know you best? That's the person I want to see in these applications. Uh, And you may have heard me say this on previous shows, and if so, I apologize. But I really do think it gets at the core of what you want here, right? You want to get to know the kid. And Mm -hmm. um, if they're too busy writing about what they think you want to hear, uh, it's never going, that they're never going to come across. All right. Anyway, moving on. Option C, science and society are filled with rules, theories, and laws such as the First Amendment, PV equals NRT, Occam's razor, Occam's razor, Occam's razor, I'm not sure, and the law <laughs> of diminishing returns. In baseball, three strikes and you're out. A green light on a roadway means go. Pick any law and explain its significance to you. An interesting one. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. And I think first I'll say is students should feel free to be creative and that you don't need to pick a law from one of the examples given in the question. Mm-hmm. Because you'll tend to see a lot of them. And I think it's more exciting for the reader if you pick something that's not listed and that you can have fun with. Um, and then don't just explain the theory here. You know, tell the reader, you know, how this law is played out in your life. And also why of all the possible laws out there, why did you pick this one as being significant? And I think where students can get caught up in is they try to explain the law or whether it should be a law still or if it's relevant or things like that. But really, it's the connection to the student and the applicant that's most important. Right, exactly. It's always at the end of the day, explain its significance to you, right? It's still a personal essay. Um, yep. And you don't want to forget about that. And I agree. And I've had students um, racking their brains trying to write about one of the laws that are mentioned. And I always say, whoa, don't do that. That's the last law you want to write about. Go out yeah. and 
find your own. These are examples. You definitely, what would, what percentage do you, I don't know if they had this when you were there, but do you remember if a lot of kids would write about the laws in the question? I would guess that would they be a They definitely would. It was, if we had this question when I was there, but it was worded differently with different examples. And I think they mm-hmm. probably had to just change up the examples so they would stop getting <laughs> essays on the same ones. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so I think one big piece of advice, please don't write about the laws because a lot of people are going to do that. And what's, you know, you want to avoid what a lot of people are going to do. Yeah, definitely. All right. Option D, it's cool to be smart. Tell us about the subjects or ideas that excite your intellectual curiosity. Yeah, this, this question is really fitting for Tufts because I think that's what students at Tufts would say, that it's there, it's cool to be cool to be smart. Um, and this question is pretty similar to one that they had that was celebrate your nerdy side. And mm-hmm. I talked to um, a friend of mine who's an admissions officer still at Tufts and asked her, you know, is this, did we just change the wording? And she's like, yeah, pretty much because when students talked about the nerdy side, a lot of kids were writing about like the Big Bang Theory and Harry Potter and we just couldn't take it anymore. Um, <laughs> and so really, I think focusing on that intellectual curiosity, whether mm-hmm. it's, you know, you're passionate about, you know, politics or, you know, Greek mythology or architecture, like what fuels your curiosity? Um, what's something that you just can't, you know, stop talking about? I think making sure that um, they're kind of really being specific about the subject and then the ideas that they're excited about. And again, letting that kind of excitement and enthusiasm for that subject to come through in the essay. Yep, absolutely. It's sort of like the intellectual version of what makes you happy. Uh, yeah. All right, so we're running tight on time, So, but I want us to make sure we have enough time to talk about these next two. Option E, Nelson Mandela believed that what counts in life is not the mere fact that we have lived. It is what difference we have made to the lives of others that will determine the significance of the life we lead. Describe a way in which you have made or hope to make a difference. Yeah, so I think applicants want to be sure not to just list their mm-hmm. community service activities and volunteer work that they want to really go deeper and explain, you know, why they've done the things that they do or why they want to do the things that they dream to do. Um, and Tufts has a really great example. Um, they have lots of good examples of past essays on their website that I always encourage students to check out, as well as the admissions officers write blogs with tips and examples um, from their experiences reading them. And one of the essays that they had posted that I really liked in response to this question was on a student who wrote how she created a film that was about gender queer as she imagined it in modern China. And then she connected it to how she wanted to explore the women, genders, and sexuality studies program at Tufts to kind of further explore both gender and identity and how that would, you know, play out in China. And then it's just like, wow, what a great example of how a student said, like, I created this film and I'm really curious about it. And here's mm-hmm. what I hope to do with the major at Tufts. So she's established herself as a good fit for the school and mm-hmm. told us a lot about her interests and, you know, her interest in films and gender studies and all of that into one example. And I think something like that is a really great way to still let the reader get to know a lot about you and not just talk about how you've made a difference in the lives of others. Right. And I think that one can be very dangerous for exactly that reason is people tend yep. to think, oh, this is where I can tell them all about that community service thing I did for a month once. That's not, you know, be more integral to who you are. And if that's not who you are, then choose something else. Not everyone yeah. necessarily is going to be that person. Okay, last option is option F. 
I might have chosen this one, actually, had I applied to Tufts back in the day. And this option is celebrate the role of sports in your life. And I probably would have written about um, the the trials and tribulations of being a Red Sox fan and how my, <laughs> you know, my fall seasons can rise and fall with how well or not my team is doing. Um, but what, what's your advice here? Enough about me. What's your advice? <laughs> well, I think that this one can be kind of tricky, just like the community service one, where you mm-hmm. just want to kind of reiterate your whole, you know, athletic extracurricular experiences and begin with, you know, as a child, there's Little League and you go through everything. Mm-hmm. And I think rather it's kind of how is the sports that you've maybe played shaped your identity or how, you know, the thrill of getting a gold medal has given you confidence in other ways that became addicting for you or maybe you're totally uncoordinated, but you've bonded by watching, you know, football games with your father on Sundays or um, I think talking about like more the more, more about the impact sports have had in your life and how they've shaped you and your perspective on things then kind of the sports essay that you kind of see all the time where it's just like the big game kind of essay. Right, exactly. You want to steer clear of that. Karen, thank you so much. I really appreciate you being with us today. And I think there's great advice here for people who are listening. Um, Speaking of listeners, don't go away. We're going to be continuing our series on Common App Supplements in our very next segment. So sit tight. We'll be right back. Thanks, Beth. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you're a parent of a high school student, you've probably heard a lot of scary stories about college admissions, about the growing number of applicants, the shrinking number of spots, about how even valedictorians are being turned away. For families of hopeful college students, it's impossible not to worry. But at College Coach, we take the worry out. Our advisors are former senior admissions and college finance officers from all over the country, so they can give you advice that nobody else can about what classes to take, how to prepare for standardized tests, what options are available to pay for college, and most importantly, what admissions officers are looking for when they read an application. We've got more than 15 years of experience and a track record that's helped every single student get into college, most into their top choice schools. So make the decision to come work with College Coach and start your child down the road to the decision that really matters, the one in the envelope that says yes. Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on voiceamerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. To reach Elizabeth Heaton or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. 
or send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. With me right now is Mary Sue Yun, formerly of Barnard College and currently my college coach colleague, and she's been a guest here before. Hi, Mary Sue. Hi, Beth. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. We're both nursing cold, so yeah. <laughs> our, our listeners can forgive us if we sound a little congested. Uh, so you and I are going to be talking about two schools uh, that I would guess the two of us send a lot of applicants to, or at least mm-hmm. we just have work with a lot of students who want to apply to these two schools. Uh, and that's Lehigh and Syracuse. So uh, even though neither of us ever worked at Lehigh or Syracuse, we certainly deal with this supplement these supplements quite frequently uh and we're going to cover two so i want to jump right in so let's start with lehigh lehigh has two required uh essays one everyone has to answer and one students have a choice of prompts that um they can select from so let's start with the required prompt which is what do you and lehigh have in common and the limit with this is 350 to 250 to 350 words Um, what do you think about this one? So I I think this one basically boils down to, uh, what do you like about Lehigh kind of question? Um, Mm -hmm. I I think that the student shouldn't be, uh, too literal about it. It doesn't, you know, students not going to be a medium sized college in Bethlehem, (laughs) Pennsylvania. Um, so, um, but they can pick on a few pieces of Lehigh that they really find attractive and really go into that a little bit more. So if there's a particular feature about the engineering uh, program that sparks the student's curiosity, I would say go with that and kind of talk about in depth what about that program is appealing to you. I think it's always better in these why college questions to be more specific and to say specifically what you would do on the campus um, with this, uh, you know, with the, the strengths that you bring and what with your interests. So uh, that's how I would interpret that question. Yeah, it's really all it boils down to, like you said, it's a wily high, and that's really what they want. They just have some fancy or wording there. So, okay, we've talked about that before, and people can go to the archives and listen if they want more information about the why this college question. The next... one, Lehigh offers you a choice. Uh, each of these have to be, or the essay that you write to, in response to one of these can be 150 to 250 words. And there are one, two, three, four, five choices. Yeah. The first option is, imagine that you just completed your visit to Lehigh. What would you tweet about us and why? Right. Yeah. That's- so um, I've had a few students answer this one, and I, I think it's, um, you know, sort of in the social media, Twitter age, you know, sort of what's your main takeaway? What is the main thing that you walked off campus falling in love with? Um, And so first, I do think it's important to put a 140 character tweet in the essay. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also think it can't just be 140 characters and then, you know, you kind of drop the mic and finish. (laughs) And that's that's (laughs) not the end of the essay. The second part about it is, you know, what would you tweet about us and why? So you have to talk about what you liked about it, um, you know, and I think staying away again from generalities and going into more specific details are is much better. Co- the college knows that they're, um, you know, that they have very strong programs in business and engineering and arts and sciences. They know that they're medium-sized. They know lots of things about themselves. What they don't know is what you would do. And so I think those specific, you know, what's that one really particular takeaway that you mm-hmm. would tweet about? And that's what I'd go with. 
Right. And I do think you also have to be careful that you're not repeating what you've already written in the what do you and Lehigh have, have in common, right? So exactly. yeah. if there was something you couldn't fit in that, that you think is really the overwhelmingly compelling thing for you, this might mm-hmm. be the right choice. If it's not, and if you're racking your brain to come up with something else, you probably want to move on to one of the other yeah. options. Even yeah, if that's you sometimes tweet where I find this one to be a little tough because it, it's hard mm-hmm. to not repeat yourself on this one. And yep. so sometimes the other ones are a little bit better because yep. they allow for a little more creativity. Agreed. All right. So speaking of the, the others, let's go to the <laughs> next one, which is describe your favorite bazinga moment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. So I know you and I have a similar challenge with this, so I'll let you take it right. and I, I'll add in. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think uh, the Bazinga moment um, for, for fans of the TV show, The Big Bang Theory, um, is quite, uh, it's quite accessible. But for everyone else, it's like, what's a Bazinga moment? What does that mean? Right. And so um, I think, and, you know, perhaps a lot of Lehigh, um, you know, they are the engineers. So a lot of Lehigh students perhaps are Big Bang Theory um, fans. And so I think it can be um, kind of, you know, the, the true way that it's used in the TV show is that it's kind of a, a gotcha moment. But I don't think it's meant to be kind of a, a mean-spirited prompt or like a tell about a time when you pranked someone. It's more of a, you know, talk about um, that moment that something became illuminated for you or, or maybe more like an aha moment, which is not exactly how it's used in the show, but I've certainly had students um, use it with that in mind or use that kind of um, idea behind it and get in successfully to Lehigh. So I, I think that works as well. I don't know. What, what's your take on it? Or well, I think, yeah, I think if a student looks at me like, I don't know what a Bazinga moment is, I suggest yeah. they move on because if it right. doesn't automatically resonate with you and you don't really know what they mean, mm-hmm. um, uh, so that's kind of the same thing, right? For many people, they know exactly what they mean when they say Bazinga moment for other people. They have have no no idea. idea. Exactly. And so if you already have no idea what they're after there, there are other options here. Um, Not to say that you shouldn't dig a little deeper and maybe do some research and figure out what they're saying, but um, it may just not be the best option. But yes, you hit on all the important points that I would have made. And um, my concern with it is the same as yours, sort of like, if you don't know what that means, that's the first place to start anyway. Yep. Uh, Okay, here's the next one. These are definitely kind of kooky. Yeah. Uh, if, your na- if your name were an acronym, what would it stand for and how would it reflect your strengths and personality? Hmm. Yeah. So I have to say this one's not my favorite um, in that I find that it's hard for a student to do well. Um, and a lot of students go back to, you know, the poems that they've made throughout their schooling with their name and, you know, probably when they were younger. Um, where they start to immediately go to the adjectives that might surround that. So, you know, I'm Mary, so it's marvelous and awesome and, you know, that kind of thing. And I think that um, that's not the approach that if a student's going to do this one, that's not the approach that I suggest. I would suggest thinking of it more as what are the nouns, that the roles that you play that maybe could fit into acronyms. So, you know, mediator, author, like what are some things that, be related back to activities or things that you're involved in or interests that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I do find that this one's not my favorite because I do find that a lot of students, it, it's, it, it feels really forced to get it, it, you know, what you want to say mm-hmm. um, into your name. But, um, right. but if you can do it and, and find kind of roles that you play that match with the letters of your name, then I would say go for it. Yep. 
Absolutely. I agree with those. You know, if you find you're trying to shoehorn something in uh, and it's not allowing you to say the things you really would say if you weren't constrained by the initials in your name, then I agree. Or maybe you want to go with your last name if you can't Mm -hmm. do it with the first name or something like that. But yes, agreed. All right. So the next one is, in your opinion, what are the five characteristics of a successful person? So I think that the the um, the big trap that some students fall into on this one is that they just kind of list the characteristics. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, all supplemental essays seem to be the messages, you know, related back to yourself. And I think that that's a good rule for this one as well. Um, so if you're going to say that a successful person, you know, has a strong work ethic or um, is entrepreneurial, or it's n- not just list listing the, those attributes, but um, how do how have either you in your own life or people that you feel that have been successful around you demonstrated those? So I think that's the piece that kind of needs to take it a little step further. And so if you're talking about, um, I, I think that a successful person works very hard, just like I worked very hard in this particular project or activity or club that I was in, and again, relating back those characteristics to you because then, you're giving the admissions office the opportunity to learn a little bit more about you um, from exactly. the, the answer here. Exactly. I mean, again, at the end of the day, these are all personal essays. And so if we don't learn something about you, uh, then it's not a successful personal essay. And mm-hmm. I think the other trap sometimes that students can fall into is selecting maybe um, – words that appear frequently in admissions officers worlds that kind of end up meaning not a lot. So while I think I do actually think that a successful person is someone who works hard, um, it's not necessarily the most exciting thing you could select. And that's the other challenge, right? Is you might end up highlighting things about yourself that aren't the things that make an admissions officer go, yeah, that's a kid I want. So Right. In as much as you can move beyond those more traditional things, that's also a positive with this one. Yep. Okay. All right. So last option. You've just reached your one millionth hit on your YouTube video. What is the video about? So I actually do like this one in some for some students because I think it's a way to kind of show off a quirky talent or something that's unusual about them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I was sort of polling our team and, Someone shared that they had a student who was writing about, um, you know, that they were a, a kind of a master juggler, and they said that their YouTube video would be about juggling. And so that's something that might not come out somewhere else in the application, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's kind of a funny thing that you could talk about and a unique characteristic that might make you stand out. Um, I know I had a student a few years ago um, who, her approach to this was that she was Canadian, and so she said she was going to write, she's going to have a YouTube show about sort of all the myths that weren't true about being Canadian. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) And so it was really funny, and it was kind of, you know, it showed her, she's a very strong student, but it showed her more humorous side, and um, she said, you know, we don't all say A, and, you know, those kinds (laughs) of things that are missed out there about Canadians, and I thought that it certainly pointed out her um, national pride in Canada, but also that this was kind of a funny and quirky thing that she could talk about and that she had a good sense of humor about. So right. I, I like this one for that reason and that it can show off something that's unusual about a student in, in kind of a different way. Right. Or even maybe it's not unusual, but it's just something that is important about you. But to your point, there's really nowhere yeah. else it would ever come out. Right. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. 
I like that one too. Okay, so that's Lehigh. Let's move on to Syracuse. Um, Syracuse, which seems to kind of tweak, they, they tweak their supplement frequently. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lehigh does too. Um, mm-hmm. But a couple of these questions seem to remain the same from year to year. Right now they have two required questions. In the past they've had as many as four. four. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, up to four. And then they got rid of the fourth one last year, and now it looks like they're back down to um, two. So um, let's start with the first. Well, actually, I kind of want to read them both together because I do think it's uh, this one's a little tricky. So the first one is, who or what influenced you to apply to Syracuse University? And you have a maximum of 250 words for this one. And the second required question is, who is the person you dream of becoming? And how do you believe Syracuse University can help you achieve this? And this also has a maximum of 250 words. So for me, I look at these and I think, they're asking me why Syracuse. How do you have your kids kind of, or your students, mm-hmm. separate the two and think about them yeah. differently? Well, I think that the first one, the who or what influenced you to apply to Syracuse University, uh, that one to me is a pretty big clue that Syracuse is perhaps tracking interest um, mm-hmm. in the process because they, I think, want in this question a student to talk about their visit to campus or their interview that they've had or some of the things that may be um, ways in which the student has had contact with the university. And mm-hmm. so to me, and I'm sure you've talked about this at other points on the show, but um, you know, some schools do track those, those contact points, and I think that asking this question um, perhaps indicates to Syracuse applicants that they are tracking those contact points. And um, mm-hmm. what are ways that you've tried to find out about Syracuse? What are ways that you've researched us? And they kind of want to know that information. So that's how I would approach that first one. Um, and the second one about the who is the person you dream of becoming and how do you believe Syracuse University can help you achieve this, that one to me has more of a, uh, it could have more of an academic or sort of a mm-hmm. career focus to it. And so um, that's an opportunity for the student to talk about what about Syracuse academically they find appealing. Um, yep. So that, that's more on kind of the academics side, but also in asking it in a way that's not just a straight academic question, you know, who is the person you dream of becoming, that could be more of the characteristics or traits that it's kind of almost like Lehigh's successful person question, you know, what Mm -hmm. do you see as being successful or what do you see as kind of your goal in your life? And I think that could be really interesting for uh, a lot of students to think about their future self and kind of get that out on paper for Syracuse. Yeah, and I think with Syracuse, you select a school that you're applying to, and so that also can give you an opportunity to talk about what you know, what is the fit for you at that school, and how, you know how why you chose that school and how it relates to what you dream of doing eventually. Mm-hmm. That's another angle that um, I've had students take. I think there are a few different ways you can go with both of these. And, you know, I would agree with you um, that on, on sort of the two general angles, um, I, I think at the end of the day, what Syracuse is really hoping to hear from students is that they've really thought about this choice and thought about how Syracuse um, 
pushes them forward in the goals that they have for themselves. And that's really a, what they are, they're trying to get out of these. But I think that Mary Sue's advice about, or your advice, and so I'm talking to you, Mary Sue, um, <laughs> about how to think about each one of these is really, is really good advice. And um, uh, just be specific in all of these ways. You don't just want to say, I've always heard that Syracuse was a beautiful campus in upstate New York, and that's why I decided to apply you need to dig a little deeper than that. And similarly, if you're talking about how Syracuse is going to help you, you need to identify some, Mm -hmm. an academic interest, a major, maybe there are some courses you want to take that Syracuse offers and write about that. That's the stuff they're looking for there. Yeah. And all all that requires research too. So that's important. Exactly. You got to go to the website, right? And, um, and take some notes. Mary Sue, thank you so much. I really appreciate you joining us today. Thanks, um, uh, we're going to be right back after the break to discuss the differences between the FAFSA and the CSS profile. So we will see you momentarily. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com If you're a parent of a high school student, you've probably heard a lot of scary stories about college admissions, about the growing number of applicants, the shrinking number of spots, about how even valedictorians are being turned away. For families of hopeful college students, it's impossible not to worry. But at College Coach, we take the worry out. Our advisors are former senior admissions and college finance officers from all over the country, so they can give you advice that nobody else can about what classes to take, how to prepare for standardized tests, what options are available to pay for college, and most importantly, what admissions officers are looking for when they read an application. We've got more than 15 years of experience and a track record that's helped every single student get into college, most into their top choice schools. So make the decision to come work with College Coach and start your child down the road to the decision that really matters, the one in the envelope that says yes. Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in. Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. You'll learn about forensics, ancient civilizations, and human origins. Listen to Dr. Schuldenrein and colleagues discuss their excavations and related archaeological topics, ranging from the unique to the sublime, and yes, even the mundane. Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. To reach Elizabeth Heaton or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Before the break, I said we were going to talk about the differences between the FAFSA and the CSS profile. And because I am a woman of my word, we are going to do that right now. 
Uh, joining me to walk us through these forms is my colleague and former financial aid officer, Lori Peltier. Hi, Lori. Hi, Beth. Uh, I think we were joking before the during the break that basically whenever I'm on the show and I'm talking finance, you are the one I'm talking finance with. So perhaps we should well, ha- say that the show is co-hosted by uh, you and me. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. All right. Well, we're excited to have you back. So here is my first question for you. Uh, for a lot of people, they may not have heard of either of these things. Maybe some people know the FAFSA. Um I know from my time working in admissions that there were often two financial aid applications for families to complete. Uh, Can you talk to us a little bit about why that is and how these two forms are different and really what these two forms are? Okay, sure. So there are two basic financial aid forms. The FAFSA form, which is the abbreviation for Free Application for Federal Student Aid. It's a real tongue twister. Um, some people used to call it the FAF form, uh, but the, the FAFSA form is exactly what it says. It's a federal form. It's free to fill out. It comes out every year, and every college that gives out federal student aid, which is pretty much every college in the United States, plus some outside the United States, require the FAFSA form to determine if you qualify for any federal or state funding. So most students who want to get any money to go to any college um, or even a federal student loan need to fill out the FAFSA form. The other form that comes up is called the CSS Profile Form. It stands for College Scholarship Service Profile. And it is put out by the College Board, the same company you may be familiar with. The College Board puts out the SAT testing, so they also put out this profile form. And what happened is, I'm not going to date myself of how old I am, but many, many years ago, the FAFSA form was the only form. And the federal government started simplifying it and removing questions from it. So there were several colleges who felt that it now that it was simplified did not ask enough questions, enough Mm -hmm. questions for them to determine which families to give their money to. So they decided to start using, they came up with this CSS profile form, which is a little different than the FAFSA form, to ask some some specific questions so they can get a handle on how much money a family might need to be able to afford their school. And so the big difference between the forms is the FAFSA form is free. The CSS profile form costs money to fill out. It is $25 for the first school and $16 for each additional school. There are about 300 colleges in the country that require the CSS profile form. So not every school needs it, so you might not have to fill it out, but you do need to check and see if one of your schools do. Um, The primary schools that use it are the more expensive private schools in the Northeast. Um, That's where a bulk of them are. There are a handful of large public universities like University of Michigan, University of Virginia, University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill that also require the profile form, but for the most part, public universities do not require the profile form. Financially, the big difference between the two forms is that the profile form will ask you about home equity, what's Mm -hmm. the equity you have in your primary residence, whereas the FAFSA form does not ask you anything about your primary residence. They'll ask about other real estate, but not your primary residence. Mm-hmm. The profile form will also ask you about assets that the siblings might have, mm-hmm. and they also ask about the non-custodial parent. 
Yeah, so if you're one, in right? a divorced or separated situation, the FAFSA form is only capturing information for the parent the child lived with the most. Um, but these, these schools, and, and kind of rightfully so, I can see why, they say, mm-hmm. well, there's another parent out there, most yep. likely. You know, and where 50% of marriages end in divorce, there's a good chance that 50% of your population could be hiding income from another parent. So a lot of schools um, will use the profile form to capture that non-custodial parent information, again, to get a better feel of the family's financial picture because these schools are giving out their own money. It's not federal money. It's not state money. It's just the college's own money that they're giving out. Right. And that's why they want this additional information. That makes sense. Um, So are the results, I, I think... I know the answer, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. Um, Will the results of one application always be different from the other, or will they generally be different from the other? Most of the time they are different, especially if you own a home and have home equity. So Mm -hmm. that's going to bulk up your assets that you're reporting. So usually the FAFSA form um, gives you an expected family contribution based on a federal formula and it will be the same expected family contribution at every school. So you can be guaranteed that whatever your EFC is for one school from the FAFSA form, it will be that for all schools. And it's very easy to predict with an online calculator. The profile form, however, because it asks more questions, it typically, for most families, it will come out higher. Your EFC from the profile form will typically be higher than the FAFSA form. I have seen some families where it's lower, but it's typically Mm -hmm. higher. And then your EFC from the profile form may vary from school to school. So Boston University versus Boston College may evaluate your profile form differently. That's the glory of the profile form. The colleges get to customize it. One way that they customize it is in how they treat home equity. Um, Without getting too far into the math details, um, some schools will look at 100% of your home equity as a parent asset, whereas other colleges will say, you know what, yeah, you have a lot of home equity, but you really can't tap into all of it, into 100% mm-hmm. of it. So we might take two and a half times your annual salary and cap your home equity at that. Mm-hmm. So you can't be guaranteed that the same, you know, every private college will think you can afford the same amount. They're, they may come up with different numbers because of the way they tweak the calculation of the expected family contribution. Right, and, and every college may do that just a little bit differently, which is right. a common theme in college admissions and sounds like yeah. in college finance too, potentially, that it yeah. depends. Tough to make yeah. a blanket statement. Uh, so at just in terms of um, when families are going to be filling them out, do they complete them both at the same time? Uh, how does that process work? Well, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> yep, um, of course. Well, You can complete them both in January of senior year. Um, So senior year of high school is when the FAFSA form comes out and is available to be filled out. Um, So you could complete the profile form at that time and get them both done same day and submit them all. The profile form does come out earlier, though. It comes out in October and is available now for people who are graduating in uh, spring of 2016, you could fill out the profile form now. And it is available so that students who are applying early decision or early action and want to get a preliminary financial aid award could do the profile form now to get that award. Uh, so some people started in October. 
if they feel comfortable with the numbers, and then in January they do the FAFSA form. Some people, you know, if they're applying regular decision and they just want to do it all at once, it's a little easier to fill it out in January because they are looking at your 2015 income, Mm -hmm. and in October, you're not even finished with the year yet. At least in January, you might have a year-to-date pay stub to use. To, to right. come across some of the numbers. And just to confuse things a little bit more, <laughs> um, next year, for students who are graduating high school in 2017, the FAFSA form is going to be available in October. So ah. starting at that time, um, October of 2016, you could do both of them as early as October. Gotcha. All right. So different this year, but not next year. Mm-hmm. Are these the only applications I'm ever going to have to fill out if I'm applying for financial aid? <laughs> I wish. I, I wish I could say yes. Um, again, it depends. There are some colleges that have their own institutional application. Mm-hmm. In order for a college to use the CSS profile form, they have to pay money to the college board. So some colleges have said, you know what, we don't need them. We're going to come up with our own institutional application and save our money and just have kids fill that out. You still need the FAFSA form, but you might also need an institutional form. So what I highly recommend is once a student has their list of colleges that they're going to apply to for admission, you start some kind of an Excel spreadsheet. And not only are you tracking what do I need for admissions, you know, letters of recommendation, essay, you know, everything like that, you also want to track what do I need for financial aid because it is going to vary school to school which forms you need Mm -hmm. and the deadline dates. The FAFSA and the profile are similar to the Common App, where you fill it out once and it goes to several schools at the same time. Mm -hmm. So if you have schools with varying deadline dates, you want to look and see what's your earliest deadline date and make sure that you're getting it in by that date. So you might have one that says February 1st and one that says March 15th. You don't have till March 15th. You only have till February 1st. So, So there could be the FAFSA form, the profile form, and an institutional application. And then also keep in mind that the schools will ask for tax returns and W-2s to verify the information that you're putting down. So in addition to the applications, there may be other documentation to submit, whether uploading it or transferring it from the IRS data retrieval directly to uh, the FAFSA form so that the schools can, you know, line up the numbers and make sure they're right. Right, so not only are you going to have these things to fill out, but you're also probably going to have to gather some documentation together and um, present mm-hmm. that as well. What's the, uh, what's the danger if you um, miss the deadline? Um, it depends on the school, but um, some schools, if they have a hard and fast deadline and your application comes in after that deadline, you can still get federal and state funding if you qualify, but mm-hmm. you will lose access to their institutional money. So if they have a college-sponsored grant or work program, you might not even be considered as a candidate because you're after the deadline date. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the other risk is that some of these funds do run out. So it's a first-come, first-served thing, such as federal work-study. A lot of people like to get a work-study job to make some supplemental income while they're at school, but it is a set amount that the federal government gives a college, and a lot of colleges run out of work-study funds. So if you're at the bottom of the pile and the last application they read, even though you qualify and would normally have received it, if they're out of funds, they're out of funds and they're not going to offer it to you. 
Gotcha. So as with the admissions process, you just, you don't want to miss deadlines. Missing deadlines is Mm -hmm. extraordinarily detrimental to your Mm -hmm. chances, whether of getting in or getting money. So let's not do that. Um, Lori, thank you so much for being here. Thanks to all of my guests today. Um, And I'm assuming that the next time I host the show, I will talk to you again since that's our trend lately. (laughs) Sounds good. Yep. Before we wrap things up, I did want to mention two things to our listeners. First, we have a special offer on all of the comprehensive packages that we offer. And the special offer is for seniors who are interested in working with one of our experts. It's getting down to the wire. Maybe you are a little worried about that essay or just would like some general advice. Uh, If you're interested, you can call 877-842-1549. Mention that you're a Getting In listener and ask about the package offerings for seniors. Um, The offer will expire at the end of this month, so October 31st. Uh, you want to act quickly. And again, it's 877-842-1549. Big um, sure that you mention you're a getting in listener and ask about the special offer for seniors on uh, comprehensive packages. Secondly, you don't want to miss next week's show, which will be hosted by my colleague, Ian Fisher. Uh, if you've ever wondered what colleges mean when they say that they are need blind or need aware, or probably even more importantly, if you've wondered how that affects admissions to those colleges. We're going to be focusing on that next week's show. We're also going to continue our series on supplemental essays, this time looking at the prompts for Boston College. Uh, And finally, we're going to look into the practice of gapping in financial aid packages. And if you've ever heard about that or unsure what it might mean to you, you'll have to tune in next, next week. Speaking of which... We are here every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, uh, and every show is also accessible 24-7 on the Voice America website and for free download um, from the iTunes website. So thanks very much, and uh, hopefully you'll be back next week. Thank you for tuning in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. Please join us again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.